I think one of the reasons we get into business in the first place is to have freedom, to be able to own our own schedule, own our time, have flexibility. And there's that age old adage of you trading your nine to five for a 24 seven. Um, and it is the hard reality of, of being responsible for all of it. You can't clock in and clock out, but I think we all want something that we're, we're unfortunately not going to get by default. And we, we tend, not everybody, we tend to overwork. We tend to just keep going at a pace that if you're honest with yourself, you cannot keep up. So a lot of times on the show, I'm trying to unpack what's behind all of this so that we can actually live the life we want to live. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the hard things, but don't get don't get down. Don't get negative. I'm not going to come down on you. I'm going to share what, where I and Shay have struggled with this, but we want to identify the four things, the four hidden driving forces that tend to secretly drive us to hustle, to push, to grind, to not stop when we probably should stop. And as someone who's reached a lot of success that I never thought I would reach, I realize it doesn't go away just by becoming more successful. So we need to address these four things. And my hope in this episode is that you will see the one or two that is driving you so we can kick it in the butt. We can replace it with something healthier so that you can reach your goals, but also have the time and the flexibility and freedom that you crave. Let's discuss. back to the show. I have my lovely bride here with me again. Shay is back for another episode. We're going to continue to unpack some of these things that Shay and I are wrestling with as business owners. She is a multi-six-figure business owner in her own right. She runs socialsquares.com. And we're going to talk about how we have struggled with these things. There's four reasons, real reasons why we can't stop working as a culture, as business owners, and things that have plagued Shay and I that we are constantly fighting. So we're going to unpack those four for you. This is not preaching at you. This is just like airing our dirty laundry, basically, in hopes that something <laughs> resonates with you. We're airing your dirty laundry. We're not airing any of my dirty laundry. I just want to be very clear about I that. I like to use we so I feel better <laughs> that it's not just me um, that struggles in these areas. Uh, but before we I jump into that. my ish together, <laughs> Whatever you want to believe. If you want to believe that, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll paint you in a rosy picture. She is, she is my better half. Um, but practically speaking, before we get into these, one of the things that does help Shay and I have more freedom and have more flexibility with our time is that we've set up businesses that are passive income businesses. Shay has a subscription model in her business. I have a subscription model as well as a lot of evergreen content that leads to funnels. And so while not being 100% hands off, we still show up and do work. It is very scalable, passive income. And so what I want to do in today's episode is give you a tool, a resource that you can go and figure out how to build passive income in your business if you haven't already or start a business from scratch that is this passive income model it's my free passive income workshop where i'll teach you how to make your first one thousand dollars a month in just 30 minutes a day if that's all you have to chip away at it it's an incredible 45 minute training a lot of didactic stuff, what tools I'm using, free and paid, scripts you can copy and swipe to build out your own business, and literally what to do first, second, and third, and how it all fits together. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop if you want to watch it. I'm going to link to it in the description below, so open that up in a separate tab and go watch it after this episode, grahamcochran.com slash workshop. So short of having passive income, which is a great tool, practically speaking, the human element, Shay, still is there, and, yeah. and you and I both have passive income businesses, and yet we still struggle with 
whether it's on a daily basis or seasonally where it's like, we can't, we can't shut it off. And, and, and it, it plagues us that we talked about an episode last week about how sometimes at the dinner table, we can't stop talking about work because that's still us nonstop working in our minds, even if we're not in the office. And so just real quick, before we jump into the four things that are driving overwork and have driven it for us, can you just explain like the, the feeling you want to feel as a business owner uh, and as my wife <laughs> and the feeling that you don't like feeling where we're both, if we're both prone to this overwork. Oh yeah. You know, for me, it comes down to, I want to be personally satisfied that I did a good job. I did what I could do. And now I'm able to step away from my desk, close my office door and really disconnect and show up all the way in the rest of my life. Like I want to feel good about what I accomplished. I want to feel like I'm making progress. I'm making a difference in the world. I led my team well, but then I want to be able to shut it down and go live the rest of my life. Go have fun with friends, go show up, sit on my kid's floor and play without still thinking about how I should have, you know, sent that other email. So that's what I want. What I don't love that I fall into is when I take work with me, I'm not satisfied. I can't say, you know, that was enough. Maybe it went the way I wanted. Maybe it didn't, but that was enough for today. I'm done. It's four o'clock. It's five o'clock. And now I'm coming down and I can step into joy and being fully present. And if I can't do that, it's because I've carried work with me. I'm thinking about it. I'm still stressing over it. I'm losing sleep at night. You're, you know, I'm cooking dinner and you're trying to tell me about your day and I'm half listening and I'm half wrestling over a work relationship or something that I wish I'd done differently, or I'm trying to solve a problem. I go to bed exhausted. I wasn't there with the family. I missed out on opportunities for fun. We could go for a walk and all I talk about is work. I mean, it just, I hate that. I hate it. And because we've built lives where we've put boundaries around work and life, we feel it, right? That's not a normative experience in our house. So the second that happens, it's like miserable for everyone. Um, so we're in a constant tension to fight against that. Um, yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah, it's real. And I feel the same way too. I, I'm a guy that's literally got a show teaching you how to work less and live more. And if I come home and find myself like just trying to solve a puzzle in my business or like you know, freaking out about like, wh- where are the next six months going to go? Or what's, what's this thing happening here? And I, if I find myself like I'm sick of hearing myself talk about it. And when I'm talking about it, it's an outpouring of the stress I feel where I'm still working in my mind. I literally, I'm very like hard on myself, but I'm like judging myself. Like, what is wrong with you? You're the work less guy and you're not mentally shutting it off. This isn't what you even want or what you even teach other people to do. And so we want to, Shay's taught this material um, to some of her students and clients, and and it's really, really powerful. We wanted to bring it to you here because this is real. These are the four things that have kept us working either longer hours, like literally not stepping away from your desk when you should, or mentally stewing on something, and you cannot step away mentally from the office. And we both hate it. And if you've ever felt that, then you are going to want to identify these four potential hidden driving forces so that we can stop and make a different choice. A few other quick warning signs so that you know, like, because people's version of what does overwork mean can be different. I only work 16 hours a week. So overwork for me means like 17 hours or 18 hours. So we're not trying to define what overwork looks like for you, but are you able to stop? Are you able to step away from your desk and eat a meal? 
Like, do you sit down and just like go hard for nine hours and you can't even peel yourself away to like stretch or take a walk or eat, eat a meal, eat lunch. And then can you take vacation? That'd be another indicator. Like, are you able to take a few days off? Are you able to take a week off, two weeks off? Um, those are just some other like quick indicators of, am I working? Is something happening that I'm not eating, stepping away from my desk? Or a third thing would be if you're pushing yourself way past your energy levels. So, you know, there's a lot of fascinating science out there about our like peak performance times and everyone's different. Maybe you're morning, maybe you're a night person. Um, but I notice overwork and I notice myself being driven by these four things when I'm just pushing myself past my like best uh, time for showing up. Like your energy is just gone, but you're just pounding it out at the computer. And there's a reason. And those are the reasons that we want to talk about. Yes, absolutely. And I would add to that, just uh, if you keep checking your work email, Mm-hmm. Or checking mm-hmm. social media for a lot of us online business owners is is really a a scorecard. Like, are people liking my latest post? Or my? Yeah. It's not. It's not just pleasure. Like a lot of people use social media. So if you find yourself constantly checking that outside of work, that's another indicator that you're yeah. overworking. That is actually work, by the way. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about them. Um, number one is fear, and we have this. Is, to me, this is the big one. I resonate with fear um, as a thing that will be what drives me to keep working. So this could look like a lot of different things. You could be afraid of a lot of different things. Um, you could be running from something. <laughs> um, you could be uh, running towards something. So I, I have a high value of security financially, right? And so for me, there could be, there's always a low level fear of, because we were, we were broke and we were on food stamps and that's like burned in my brain is like so <laughs> traumatic and it felt like um, not only was it not fun to not have money and scary, but it was almost like a, uh, a a value statement or judgment against me as a man and provider that I don't ever want to be in that situation again. So even if things are really good financially, there is still a fear in the back of my mind. What if it all goes away, Graham? What if your business shuts down? What if you fall out of favor? What if the algorithm stops sending you leads? What if everything just changes and it falls apart? And so it's a it's a whisper, but it is there. And that I think is what drives me sometimes to be like, okay, things are good, but never, never be okay. Don't get comfortable, even if things are good, because they might not be good next year. And I'm yeah. not, I'm never like overly confident in the business. I, I err on the other side to a detriment, fear of it running out. And I think some people have experienced that. Like we have like a season of life where money was just really tight. I mean, you and I used to budget off of uh, $2,000 a month, I think was like our original budget. So 1600, we know, yeah, 1600 a month. 1600 was that first budget. Yeah. Yeah. We know what it feels like to be ultra tight, you know, where you're literally taking a calculator with you to the grocery store and you're having to add up the cost of spaghetti plus tax, you know, so that when you get to the checkout, you actually have enough money to pay them. Uh, We know what that feels like. And some people know what that feels like firsthand in their current family. But then I also see a lot of people that are running from their past, like their family of origin. If they grew up in a home where there were a lot of financial struggles, a lot of financial tension, maybe they saw their parents' marriage just, you know, wrecked by money arguments. Maybe they uh, grew up always afraid that they were like one bill away from disaster or, you know, one small 
financial emergency away from being out on the streets. I think when we go through something like that as a child, it really shapes us. And so it could be that your financial situation as adults in your current you know, family is fine, but there's a part of you that's running from your childhood experience of like, I never want to feel like that. And I never want my kids to feel like that. I mean, you'll hear a lot about that. Like, I never want my kids to feel the financial stress that I felt as a child. And so we carry that with us. You know, if we don't deal with it, we kill it, carry it with us right into adulthood. That's huge. Another one fear that I've struggled with is the fear of of missing out on a chance or an opportunity. Um, When I started the recording revolution, my first business I said yes to everything I could possibly say yes to because there weren't very many invitations to do anything. So you're just like, sure, yes, yes, I'll come yeah. on your podcast. Yes, I'll do whatever. Um, and, and then obviously as, a, as your business grows, you have to have this discerning hat on. You can't say yes to everything. But there's this fear that like, if I say yes to this, will I miss out on opportunity for something better to come along? And, and and maybe I need to keep putting out content or keep doing this like longer than I want to or more than I want to because if I grew just a little bit more, maybe someone would notice me or I might get invited into those circles or that since there's unlimited potential opportunities out there, it's, it's a never ending thing that I I have fallen prey to like, this could be, and I see this with YouTubers a lot. Um, some, this is an interesting subset of the, the population. I'll have YouTubers that make money off of ad revenue and stuff. They're just, they blow up on YouTube coming to me asking me questions about how to build a real business model around it. But one of the things I see that's a pattern among many of these really high profile YouTubers is a fear that this is their chance in the sun. They're like, Mm -hmm. I I have to keep putting out videos because I know how fickle this could be. And they might be right. Like if I fall out of favor, like this might be my best 12 months or 18 months. So I'm just going to go hard because this might be it. And that's what's driving them. And it causes stress and fear of, not doing enough while they had a chance. Well, got to do it now. Got to do it now. Got to yeah. do it now. Uh, John Acuff, I love John Acuff, and I was grateful to have him endorse my book. And I wrote about one of these quotes he has in his book, Start, at the end of my book, How to Get Paid for What You Know. The, the very last chapter is all about just like st- why starting now is all that matters. But why do we not start a business or start anything new? And a lot of it is fear. And he describes fear as being schizophrenic, right? There's like, it says mm-hmm. two completely opposite things. Fear tells you that you can't do it. You'll never do it. And then at the same time, fear tells you if you're going to do it, it has to all be you done now. Do <laughs> yeah, you have to do it and it has to be done now. Yeah. And it's like, that is a, that's very, that's in my experience, very real. Like either you're, oh, I could never pull this off or this is never going to work. Or if you believe that it could work, well, then it, this is the time. Now yeah, is the time. And it must, you must reach your goals now. You must be successful now. You must be famous now. Yeah. It's your one shot. That's so real in our generation. You know what I love? I love successful entrepreneurs who are in their 50s and 60s or 70s. Also, those that are like reinventing themselves or starting something new in those seasons of life. It just reminds me that I have over elevated this time of life. Like, what if my best work is ahead of me? What if my best work is when my kids are grown and out of the house and my highest contribution like is happening then in terms of like professional contribution? So it's very real. Hold that thought because I think that relates to the fourth driving f- uh, factor as well. So we'll get yeah. to that. I love that. So fear. Is there a fear that is underneath a lot of what's motivating you to just go, 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 go? Yeah. If you haven't stopped to think about it, just try to see if you can identify something there. It might be multiple fears. Yeah. 
Number two, hidden driving force that like leads us to the point where we can't turn it off and can't stop walking is escape or distraction. Mm-hmm. So Shay, unpack this one because this is real. Yeah, this is a hard one. This is this is one where you gotta you gotta be willing to be really honest with yourself because I think the reality is is that for all of us at one time or another, the circumstances of life are hard. The relationships in life are hard. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. Your circumstantial situation is hard. And it is just, if we're being honest, it is easier to open your laptop and answer an email or deliver a client file than it is to be present with what's really going on in our lives. And that's a hard reality. And and I also know that there are times, especially if you've gone through anything um, really traumatic, like a really traumatic loss that work as an outlet during a particularly traumatic time can be a huge gift because you can apply your mind to it. And that's that's not what I'm talking about. Um, work can be an enormous gift, especially if you're in the middle of very intense heartache or really trying situation. You can apply yourself to something um, and that can be really a gift. But what I'm talking about is when you're avoiding your spouse because marriage is just hard. You're avoiding your kids because it's just exhausting. You're avoiding taking care of yourself. You're avoiding your mental health. You're avoiding your spiritual health. Um, You're avoiding your emotional health by working because it just is hard. And sometimes it's just easier to pick up your phone, check something, respond to someone on Slack, you know, open up your, your laptop and get a little bit more work done than it is to dive in and give the care and investment to those other areas of life and relationship. Um, so I think we work out of escape. We work to stay distracted from the reality of what's happening outside of work. And that's real. And I can speak for me when the kids were younger and home life was more challenging for both of us, but especially for Shay, um, cause she stayed home with the kids for the most part, um, and bared a lot of that day to day, like just the kids don't respect their mom or dad. They're just <laughs> yelling at them and I want this and throwing up on them. And it's just like, it's the most thankless hard work when, when that season was at its peak, is when I can think of it the most. I, I could come home from work and by home, I mean, I come downstairs from my home office, you know, A, I could hear them screaming downstairs, you know, <laughs> you so it's like- You never escaped the, the screaming. No, you can't escape I the mean, screaming. I mean, when you first started the business, your office was literally in the middle of the house. It was like the living room and a door, a thin, very thin door with a cutout above it, you know, with- Oh yeah, so all the air could, the sound could travel. And you would sit right on the other side of that door. And I, we had two kids under the age of three throwing themselves against the door. I mean, that was your work environment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me that it, <laughs> I have it so good now. It's like my, I live in this office and nobody bothers me. It's so peaceful. Um, but like, so imagine that scenario and I come home and what do I want as a, as a husband and a father? I want Shay to like fawn all over me and just say, <laughs> First of all, you were so handsome. And then I second of all, how handsome you are, man. Have you gotten better looking since you left this morning? Yes, I have. I have yes, been I have. sitting here all day waiting for you to walk in this door to this clean house with this cooked dinner. Mm. And I just want to hear about your day. Yes. This, this is I'm glad this is being <laughs> recorded so I can play this back to you because this is what I want, Shay. I want to be 
but lauded and fawned over and respected. And I want, and I want, I want Shay to see how awesome I am because where am I coming from? I'm coming from at least once the business got going, nobody cared when it started, but once it got going and I was able to make a difference in some people's lives, the way the people on the internet talk about me, yeah. Oh, that video changed my life. Your courses helped me. Are we, You're I'm sorry, amazing. Are we talking past tense or are we talking modern day now? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm going to bring it home. Just let me bring it home, babe. This is my show. Let me do my show. Um, uh, but at its peak, right? So this is true now, 100% true now, but it, it was really like heightened then where I would come out of that, that, that day of feeling like all these people think I'm great. <laughs> And then you, you look tired. You look You're irritated that I'm there. You're like, hey, can you just help with this stuff? And so I, while I understand because I, I like to think I'm a sensitive, loving husband, a human being, inside the selfish ego of me is like, man, I, I wish Shay would like respect me like those people do. And the reality yeah. is like, they, they just send me they their nice comments. <laughs> they don't know me. They don't have to live with me. I don't have to live with them. It's so much easier. You, you don't laundry. have to. Exactly. But you know, you know, if you're married and if you have kids, you know, but the reality is, is I, it's like, I would rather turn right back around and go back and, and interact with my YouTube followers. Cause they seem nicer to me right now. And it's not Shay's fault. It's just the reality of relationship is way more complex and messy. And I, I much prefer the cleanliness of like fan yeah. educator relationship or fan content creator relationship than dealing with the complexities of marriage. marriage. So I could, yeah. a huge escape for me for sure is like, well, I just want to see what my Twitter following is saying about me right now. Cause Shay's like irritated and the kids are like, you know, <laughs> that's real. I felt that uh, when I first started the business and the kids were babies and you know, the way Graham alluded to, you do not feel very respected. And like, you're making a massive contribution to society when you're nursing 10 hours a day and changing diapers, you know, it just doesn't, you don't feel like you're a contributing member of society. You should, you are a contributing member of society, but you bent, depending on your bent, that may or may not feel like a really significant fun day. And so for me, I found myself constantly wanting to put the baby down and go check work where I could feel competent. I didn't know what I was doing as a mom. I wanted to feel competent and capable and respected and valued for my mind, you know, not just for what I could like do for you that day. So that was a real struggle for me the first year, especially the first year of our first child when there, those two things were really intention. And that translate transitions perfectly into the third driving uh, force behind overwork or what keeps us just like pushing, pushing, pushing. And that is identity and validation. Mm -hmm. um, so this is huge. Mm -hmm. right? And Shay alluded to it of like, even as a mother, like I'm, I'm more than just a mother. I'm also, I want to be validated in the workplace or in the, in the business place. And that's, a, that's a, again, these are good things. Like mm -hmm. the fear of me running out of money is an inherently good thing to like not sure. want to run out of money. And, um, Escape and distraction, I don't know if that's a good thing, but I think identity, <laughs> sure. part of our identity, in, if we have a business, is our contribution to the world and the impact we want to have. And that is wonderful and good. And that's why I still work. Otherwise, if we didn't have that as part of us, we just want to lay around all day and do nothing. But even the people that are super successful and could retire don't because they they love contributing and yeah. showing up in the world as part of their identity. That's a good thing. The bad thing is when that becomes the driver to push farther or harder or longer hours or mentally staying clocked in when we shouldn't um, and we don't get, it affects the other parts of our lives. So some of the questions that come up that allude to this are like, who am I if I don't blank? 
Yeah. If I'm not working, who am I? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, if you can't answer that question, that's a good question to ask. Like if, if my business went away or if your business went away for whatever reason, out of your control, who are you outside of that business? Yeah. Do you have a sense of self apart from work? And we see this and Shay, you've, you brought it up before. Cause I think maybe the, the women that are following your circles are more candid about it than some of the men that I know, but I'm sure it's true for both S- speak to the single man, woman who has a business yeah. and just their season of life. Like we, we started our business while we were married and had kids. It was just the way yeah. it fell for us, but that's not always the case. Speak to about that, that person that's like, well, I don't have a family. I don't have kids. Like, so why shouldn't I just keep working? Yeah. I hear that all the time. Like either, well, I'm not married. So what else would I be doing with my time? You know, what else is there to do? I like my work or I'm married, but I don't have kids. And there's this you know, I, I see a lot of people that, that carry this mentality that all of a sudden their life will matter a bit more maybe when they have kids. And so they'll get serious about showing up in life once they have kids. But for now, I mean, they don't have kids. So why not just work and overwork? Why not work 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, 80 hours? What else would I do? And, and my point is always like, man, there is so much more to you than what you are doing professionally. You you showing up in the lives of the people that are around you is such a bigger, broader legacy than maybe what you're going to do in your work. Also, there's just so much life to be lived. Like, what about friendships? What about trying new things? What about moving, moving your body outside in the world? What about learning? What about, I mean, there's just, there's so much richness to life that happens away from our laptops like and you have so much more value whether you're single married no kids married with kids you have so much more value than just what you can contribute professionally so I, you know i don't even know that i could fully unpack what's going on there when i he- when someone says that well I, I guess i just might as well i don't have kids so i might as well but i just want to say like no you have so much more value than just whatever you're contributing within the business that you're building, you have so much more and there's just so much more to life to be enjoyed. It's great that you love your work. So great. There's also so much more out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, it's one, one picture that might be helpful. I like to think of um, like you listening to this, watching this, you are um, a light you are a light and you, you, you shine a lot of wonderful things. It's the way you're designed, your personality, your background, the, the things that you know about your talents, your skills, you exist as a light. And then the world is a very dark place. And so everywhere you go, you are displacing darkness with your little bit of light. And some people shine a really bright light. Some people shine a little bit of light. It doesn't matter because the smallest light in a really dark room lights up the room. So you, your light is equally valuable if you are saying that your work is who you are, which is functionally what we're doing a lot of times without realizing it because it becomes the thing and, and what we want to be known by and it drives us. I'm speaking about myself. Like this is a battle in our home of like Graham wants to take over. I want to be a best-selling author and, you know, thought leader and be on stages and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when will that be enough? It, the answer is probably never. The one reason why I want to do that is because I feel like I'm shining a light in the world in the dark place. But the interesting thing is my work is not the light. I'm the light. So when I go to the grocery store and I'm nice to the checkout lady, I am being light in darkness where her day might be really 
frustrating and everybody doesn't care about them because nobody cares. And then there's light there. When I'm at my kid's pickup line or in, or in the morning dropping off the kids at school and I bump into another parent and I just, hey, how's your day? What are you doing today? Light. If I go to church and talk to people, light. If I have people over for dinner, light. Like I am the light, you are the light. Everywhere we go, we get to shine our light. Why would we limit our lives to just work as this only place we have impact and shine light? That's the, yeah. the thing that comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of touches on the validation piece, but it's a, it's a little nuanced even there. Like where are we deriving our value from uh, as humans? Is it only through work? Um, if we're not feeling validated in other areas of life, then maybe we need to turn some of our time and attention to asking why that might be. If you're not feeling validated at home, if you're not feeling validated in your marriage, if you're not feeling there, there's, that might be worth some care. That might be worth asking like, okay, do I, is something going on that I am being very disrespected? And, and, and so now I'm, instead of trying to repair that area, like for a good example would be like, if you have a home where it's okay for the kids to talk back to the parents. And so you have parents, especially moms oftentimes bear the brunt of this, especially if the dad isn't a disciplinarian, that the moms can feel very disrespected at home. They can often be disrespected by their husbands. Husbands can also be disrespected for their wives. When that's the home environment, they are going to turn, you and I are going to turn to something else to seek that kind of validation. So if you notice that happening, then allow it to serve as a warning sign for you that, okay, there's something we need to address at home. Maybe the kids shouldn't be allowed to talk like this. Maybe we need to get some family counseling. Maybe there's too much disrespect happening between me and my spouse. We're not we're not validating each other's strengths and contribution to the family. And so I'm seeking it from somewhere else. Um, and we're, we're, we might need some help. Maybe we even need some professional help. Maybe we just need some other relationships to bring in who are doing a better job at that than we are. Uh, but it's it's worth noticing if there's something happening in at the home, in the home life, that's causing you to seek validation in work because you're not finding it other places. That's good. So good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to stay that way. You you can make it better, but it might take some work. Yep. Fourth and final driving force. This is one that, um, the Shay brought up before we went live. We went, we actually had three, there's three core ones. And then she brought this one up. It's only and ever it, been three. And it immediately resonated with me. Um, yeah. and this is, this is, I think, maybe more prevalent than we even realize, and that, especially in the modern age, and that is envy. Yeah. Envy, um, w- seeing what someone else has and wanting it, and and that could go super negative, like I hate them for having that, or it could be super neutral, like gosh, why can't I have that? And it's less about them and more about what do I have to do mm-hmm. to get that? Either you could go self-loathing or just like. That motivates me like, wow, I want what he has. I want what she has. And think about how obviously prevalent this is with social media now. Um, and this is, to be candid, one of one of the things that tripped me up from even starting my personal brand, I, I wanted to teach about business for about three years before I actually launched the Graham Cochran brand. And I punted for a lot of fears and insecurities. And one of them was I didn't want to also, this sounds more noble than I really am. I didn't want to contribute to that envy because to, to, to be a business coach, there has to be some credibility play of like, well, I've been successful in business. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how much money I've made or what I've been able to do. And I don't want to create envy for people because I know what it feels like for me. There's people that I envy, but you could be reaching your goals financially, your, your impact goals in your business and be 
great until yeah. you see someone else who's yeah. making two X or their life looks even cooler or their house. And you're like, I really liked my house, but I, you know, but I could have that house if I worked a little bit more. I loved my house until I saw their house or I loved my yeah. vacation until I saw their vacation. That's real life. And the yeah. problem is if you're a nine to five wage employee, you'll, you'll just turn to bitterness. Like that must be nice. If you're a business owner, the problem is, is you actually can go do something about it. Yeah. You could, you could just hustle a little harder. <laughs> yeah. You could have that. If you worked a little harder, made more money, you know, that's the danger of success as an entrepreneur is, you know, you can go create almost anything. So it, that will drive you be like, I could have that house and but it'll just take me harder, exactly a later, pulling a few more hours. And yeah. this, my friend is like, you know, I don't know where the line is between healthy goals. Like, I don't even know my own goals, babe. Like we talked about things we want to have and things we want to do. Like, I don't even know where the line is between a healthy goal that I want and I can shoot for. And like, it's just because you saw somebody else who has that and you were content until you saw it. And now you're like, gosh, I want that. Yeah. It came up the other day when we were somewhere and we were walking on the beach and it was like, why do I feel like I'm not financially successful when like on paper, you know, if you use Dave Ramsey's baby steps, you know, like I've completed all the baby steps. Why don't I feel the contentment and the satisfaction of like, by all, for all intents and purposes, that is financial success. And it's just because the target moves, you have different goals. We have generosity goals. We have, you know, it just the target moves and moves and moves until you tell it not to <laughs> and you decide where enough is. Yeah. So this is real. I mean, envy and the question for you is, whether it's someone in particular or something in particular, have you allowed envy to creep into your life and your heart where you're, you're actually chasing something that maybe you don't actually even need a lot of things we don't need, or you don't want it bad enough for the sacrifice that it's costing you because well, there's you a lot of things us- I want Go for it. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, babe. I'm sorry. No, it's I got right. excited. Will you tell the story about the student of yours who had a certain financial goal and then kind of came to the realization that, oh, wow, I actually could be perfectly happy now. I think that that is a, is a lifeline for some people. Yeah. So I have a student um, who has followed me for many years and I've been able to watch his business grow from you know a couple thousand dollars a month, hit or miss, um, to really successfully, you know, 15 to $18,000 a month, you know, recurring steady, like incredible growth. It's been so cool. Um, but one of the things that's been cool to watch that then was interesting in a coaching session I had with him was, you know, the more successful he got, the, the, the bigger his sights were for what was possible in a healthy way of like, wow, I never thought this was possible. And, and, and he got excited about what else he could reach for. And one of his goals was to make a hundred thousand dollars a month. Right. Which is a um, lot of money. Which is a lot of money. That's 1.2 million a year. If you're, if you're trying to do the math, right. It's, it's so he was like, that's like, that was like the big crazy goal. And and, and he probably had reasons why if I made that kind of money and he's a super generous guy, he's got a big family. He's a really great dude. He, he probably had a lot of good things he wanted to do with it, but he had a taste. He had a taste of what's possible. And what was interesting is I remember in this coaching session, he mentioned it to me, I had him go through this exercise and what his goals were. And we talked about it and there seemed to be some underlying stress there of like, gosh, like it's, I'm already doing all the things I know and I'm, I'm not anywhere close to that. So it's going to just either be a lot of time to get there or I'm going to have to scale it with the team or it just felt like the pressure was there. Fast forward a couple of months later, I got an email from him 
And he said, I was reflecting back on sort of this, this uh, life that I had painted of what I desired life to look like in a few years, this exercise I had him go through. And uh, I realized at the time I thought it would take a hundred thousand dollars a month to, to live that life. And I'm, as I'm mowing my lawn, I'm thinking about all this stuff. I realize I'm living that life on only 15 to 18,000. And some people might be like, it'd be nice to have 15 to 18,000 a month. <laughs> sure. I, I agree. But, uh, but the, swap out whatever number it is for you. If you're making 4,000 a month and you just wish you had make 8,000, he was like, wow, like, why did I, I wanted that hundred thousand. I don't need that. And, yeah. and I actually, I'm, I, I won the game. Like I can kind of enjoy my life now because I realized it didn't take what I thought I needed. And th- that was just a number because there are people making a hundred thousand a month. And I can tell you, I, I make over a hundred thousand a month and I'm like, that's shit. I need to make a million a month. That's what I need to shoot for because that's the people I'm following or talking about. And I'm like, wait a second. That's yeah. when is that going to stop? Cause that guy wants to be a billionaire. So he wants to be making hundreds of million a month. Oh, and, and the so, average business owner feels like they're not even going to be considered a success until they're making six figures. Cause they hear that talked about all the time. So it becomes, yeah. it's like, arbitrary goal and we're envious of other businesses that have gotten there, envious of other people's success, envious of the house they have, the car. Meanwhile, that may not have any part in the life that the things we actually really care about and the life that we really want to build. Which to your point is why we need to be super specific about what we, what we need first and then what we want. Both are good. You can want things you don't need, but if you don't know what your targets are, income wise and why. And if you don't know what kind of life you're trying to live so that you can say, does that, that business goal line up with the life and the family I want to have? Yeah. Cause we talked about this last week is like, we put family, family first mentality um, because there's certain things I might want in business, but they don't support the family goals or vision we have. And so, okay, that's, I'm going to set that aside. Yeah. This is where just being intentional is so much more helpful than just scrolling on social media and being like, wow, I guess I should want that and that and that when we've never stopped to think about is that I want more free time and I want more money. I want a healthy family and I want six figures, you know? Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. hard. There's a lot, there's a lot being thrown at us. So it's harder now than ever before. But Um, bottom line, no one wants to be driven by envy. You don't want to be showing up for work because deep down inside, you're just envious of the next business owner and what they're doing or, you know, someone else's vacation, somebody else's house. We don't, none of us want our businesses and our motivating factor to be driven by envy. So I think we can all acknowledge like, ah, that's not what I want to be motivated by. So if not that, what do you want to be motivated by? And are your sights set on that? Otherwise, yeah, you're going to most likely be driven by one of these four things that we've talked about today. Yeah. And that's where we want to leave it as your reflection question for today is of these four fear, escape slash distraction, identity and validation or envy, if you had to say what of those four is currently your motivating factor, your motivating force, um, if you're, if you're open to sharing it, leave a comment below, but even if you're not just stop for a moment and think which one of these is really a, a hidden driving force for you, a, and then what do you want to be motivated by? What do you want to drive you each day you show up at the office? Cause we're driven by something always. So you get to choose what you want to be motivated by. Maybe you knew and you've just drifted away from it. I know I have, um, but maybe you've never thought about it and you just are chasing what everyone else says you should chase um, because that's default also is we just, okay, well, that's what they say is the goal. What do you want to be motivated by? You get to decide, you mm-hmm. get to choose way more fun that way. Any word. final thoughts, babe? No. If they survived this entire podcast, then 
I'm just applauding them for showing up and doing the hard work. Listen, you don't have to be honest with us, but just if you do nothing else, be honest with yourself. (laughs) You don't have to leave it in the comments, but at least do this deep work on your own time with a pen and paper. Yep. Which is what is currently motivating, motivating you. And then what do you want to be motivated by? Write it down, make that your, um, your reflection homework this week. I think it'll be very insightful for you. And I'm excited to hear what comes out of it for you. Well, babe, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks Thanks for letting me back. back. Oh, heck yeah. We'll do more. This is awesome. And everyone, thanks for checking out the episode. Enjoy. We will see you on another episode soon. 